Safeguards of Civil Rights, Amendments 13, 14, 15, 19, 23, 24, and 26. The 13th Amendment, 1865, abolished slavery and involuntary servitude, except as punishment for a crime, and authorized Congress to enforce abolition. Though millions of slaves had been declared free by the 1863 Emancipation Proclamation, their post-Civil War status was unclear, as was the status of other millions. Congress intended the 13th Amendment to be a proclamation of freedom for all slaves throughout the nation and to take the question of emancipation away from politics. This amendment rendered inoperative or moot several of the original parts of the Constitution. The 14th Amendment, 1868, granted United States citizenship to former slaves and to all persons subject to U.S. jurisdiction. It also contained three new limits on state power, a state shall not violate a citizen's privileges or immunities, shall not deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, and must guarantee all persons equal protection of the laws. These limitations dramatically expanded the protections of the Constitution. This amendment, according to the Supreme Court's doctrine of incorporation, makes most provisions of the Bill of Rights applicable to state and local governments as well. It superseded the mode of apportionment of representatives delineated in Article 1, Section 2, Clause 3, and also overturned the Supreme Court's decision in Dred Scott v. Sanford, 1857. The 15th Amendment, 1870, prohibits the use of race, color, or previous condition of servitude in determining which citizens may vote. The last of three post-Civil War Reconstruction Amendments, it sought to abolish one of the key vestiges of slavery and to advance the civil rights and liberties of former slaves. The 19th Amendment, 1920, prohibits the government from denying women the right to vote on the same terms as men. Prior to the amendment's adoption, only a few states permitted women to vote and to hold office. The 23rd Amendment, 1961, extends the right to vote in presidential elections to citizens residing in the District of Columbia by granting the district electors in the Electoral College, as if it were a state. When first established as the nation's capital in 1800, the District of Columbia's 5,000 residents had neither a local government, nor the right to vote in federal elections. By 1960 the population of the district had grown to over 760,000. The 24th Amendment, 1964, prohibits a poll tax for voting. Although passage of the 13th, 14th and 15th Amendments helped remove many of the discriminatory laws left over from slavery, they did not eliminate all forms of discrimination. Along with literacy tests and durational residency requirements, poll taxes were used to keep low-income, primarily African-American, citizens from participating in elections. The Supreme Court has since struck down these discriminatory measures, opening democratic participation to all. The 26th Amendment, 1971, prohibits the government from denying the right of United States citizens, 18 years of age or older, to vote on account of age. The drive to lower the voting age was driven in large part by the broader student activism movement protesting the Vietnam War. It gained strength following the Supreme Court's decision in Oregon v. Mitchell, 1970. Government processes and procedures, Amendments 12, 17, 20, 22, 25, and 27. The Twelfth Amendment, 1804, modifies the way the Electoral College chooses the President and Vice President. It stipulates that each elector must cast a distinct vote for President and Vice President, instead of two votes for President. It also suggests that the President and Vice President should not be from the same state. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 3 is superseded by this amendment which also extends the eligibility requirements to become president to the vice president. The 17th Amendment, 1913, modifies the way senators are elected. It stipulates that senators are to be elected by direct popular vote. 
the amendment supersedes Article 1, Section 2, Clauses 1 and 2, under which the two senators from each state were elected by the state legislature. It also allows state legislatures to permit their governors to make temporary appointments until a special election can be held. The 20th Amendment, 1933, changes the date on which a new president, vice president and Congress take office, thus shortening the time between election day and the beginning of presidential, vice presidential and congressional terms. Originally, the Constitution provided that the annual meeting was to be on the first Monday in December unless otherwise provided by law. This meant that, when a new Congress was elected in November, it did not come into office until the following March, with a lame duck Congress convening in the interim. By moving the beginning of the President's new term from March 4 to January 20, and in the case of Congress, to January 3, proponents hoped to put an end to lame duck sessions, while allowing for a speedier transition for the new administration and legislators. The 22nd Amendment, 1951, limits an elected president to two terms in office, a total of eight years. However, under some circumstances it is possible for an individual to serve more than eight years. Although nothing in the original frame of government limited how many presidential terms one could serve, the nation's first president, George Washington, declined to run for a third term, suggesting that two terms of four years were enough for any president. This precedent remained an unwritten rule of the presidency until broken by Franklin D. Roosevelt, who was elected to a third term as president 1940 and in 1944 to a fourth. The 25th Amendment, 1967, clarifies what happens upon the death, removal, or resignation of the president or vice president and how the presidency is temporarily filled if the president becomes disabled and cannot fulfill the responsibilities of the office. It supersedes the ambiguous succession rule established in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 6. A concrete plan of succession has been needed on multiple occasions since 1789. However, for nearly 20% of U.S. history, there has been no vice president in office who can assume the presidency. The 27th Amendment, 1992, prevents members of Congress from granting themselves pay raises during the current session. Rather, any raises that are adopted must take effect during the next session of Congress. Its proponents believe that federal legislators would be more likely to be cautious about increasing congressional pay if they have no personal stake in the vote. Article 1, Section 6, Clause 1 has been affected by this amendment, which remained pending for over two centuries as it contained no time limit for ratification. Unratified Amendments Collectively, members of the House and Senate typically propose around 150 amendments during each two-year term of Congress. Most however, never get out of the congressional committees in which they were proposed, and only a fraction of those that do receive enough support to win congressional approval to actually go through the constitutional ratification process. Six amendments approved by Congress and proposed to the states for consideration have not been ratified by the required number of states to become part of the Constitution. Four of these are technically still pending, as Congress did not set a time limit, see also Coleman v. Miller, for their ratification. The other two are no longer pending, as both had a time limit attached and in both cases the time period set for their ratification expired. Pending. The Congressional Apportionment Amendment, proposed 1789, would, if ratified, establish a formula for determining the appropriate size of the House of Representatives and the appropriate apportionment of representatives among the states following each constitutionally mandated decennial census. At the time it was sent to the states for ratification, an affirmative vote by 10 states would have made this amendment operational. In 1791 and 1792, when Vermont and Kentucky joined the Union, the number climbed to 12. Thus, the amendment remained one state shy of the number needed for it to become part of the Constitution. No additional states have ratified this amendment since. To become part of the Constitution today, 
ratification by an additional 27 would be required. The Apportionment Act of 1792 apportioned the House of Representatives at 33,000 persons per representative in consequence of the 1790 census. Reapportionment has since been affected by statute. The Titles of Nobility Amendment, proposed 1810, would, if ratified, strip United States citizenship from any citizen who accepted a title of nobility from a foreign country. When submitted to the states, ratification by 13 states was required for it to become part of the Constitution. 11 had done so by early 1812. However, with the addition of Louisiana into the Union that year, April 30, 1812, the ratification threshold rose to 14. Thus, when New Hampshire ratified it in December 1812, the amendment again came within two states of being ratified. No additional states have ratified this amendment since. To become part of the Constitution today, ratification by an additional 26 would be required. The Corwin Amendment, proposed 1861, would, if ratified, shield domestic institutions of the states, which in 1861 included slavery, from the constitutional amendment process and from abolition or interference by Congress. This proposal was one of several measures considered by Congress in an ultimately unsuccessful attempt to attract the seceding states back into the Union and to entice border slave states to stay. Five states ratified the amendment in the early 1860s, but none have since. To become part of the Constitution today, ratification by an additional 33 states would be required. The subject of this proposal was subsequently addressed by the 1865 13th Amendment, which abolished slavery. The Child Labor Amendment, proposed 1924, would, if ratified, specifically authorize Congress to limit, regulate and prohibit labor of persons less than 18 years of age. The amendment was proposed in response to Supreme Court rulings in Hammer v. Dagenhart, 1918, and Bailey v. Drexel Furniture Company. 1922, that found federal laws regulating and taxing goods produced by employees under the ages of 14 and 16 unconstitutional. When submitted to the states, ratification by 36 states was required for it to become part of the Constitution, as there were 48 states. 28 had ratified the amendment by early 1937, but none have done so since. To become part of the Constitution today, ratification by an additional 10 would be required. A federal statute approved June 25, 1938, regulated the employment of those under 16 or 18 years of age in interstate commerce. The Supreme Court, by unanimous vote in United States v. Darby Lumber Company, 1941, found this law constitutional, effectively overturning Hammer v. Dagenhart. As a result of this development, the movement pushing for the amendment concluded. Status contested. The Equal Rights Amendment, proposed 1972, would have prohibited deprivation of equality of rights, discrimination, by the federal or state governments on account of sex. A seven-year ratification time limit was initially placed on the amendment, but as the deadline approached, Congress granted a three-year extension. Thirty-five states ratified the proposed amendment prior to the original deadline, three short of the number required for it to be implemented, five of them later voted to rescind their ratification. No further states ratified the amendment within the extended deadline. In 2017, Nevada became the first state to ratify the ERA after the expiration of both deadlines, followed by Illinois in 2018 and Virginia in 2020, purportedly bringing the number of ratifications to 38. However, experts and advocates have acknowledged legal uncertainty about the consequences of these ratifications, due to the expired deadlines and on the five states' purported revocations. No longer pending. The District of Columbia Voting Rights Amendment, proposed 1978, would have granted the District of Columbia full representation in the United States Congress as if it were a state, repealed the 23rd Amendment, granted the district unconditional electoral college voting rights, 
and allowed its participation in the process by which the Constitution is amended. A seven-year ratification time limit was placed on the amendment. Sixteen states ratified the amendment, 22 short of the number required for it to be implemented, prior to the deadline, thus it failed to be adopted. The text of this podcast is sourced from the Wikipedia Foundation under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The written text has been altered for voice presentation. To view the modified and original text versions visit thelegalpages.com. The content of this podcast is presented for informational purposes only, and is not intended to be legal or professional advice. The Wikipedia Foundation is not affiliated with this podcast.